Yes, here we are. Again, Sunday afternoon, and uh, it's time to have Q&A with Samuel Chizichetti. And if uh, any of our listeners would like to join in, you're welcome to go to Samuel's Facebook page. He is live, and, uh, and you can interact with him on the page and give him any questions as we're going along. But welcome to the studio again, Samuel. How are you today? I am well. How are you going? Oh, very good. I'm very excited about uh, us continuing on our journey through the Ten Commandments. Indeed. Um, we've spent quite a bit of time um, really focusing on um, how the commandments are structured. Yes. Because you did... Um, you did say that the Jewish um, Jews read the Ten Commandments differently. They yes. number them differently than we do. That's exactly um, right. And a couple of pieces, are, well, a couple of commandments are actually together, whereas we've split them. Yes. And so we've we've been through all of that, which is mm-hmm. really good. So we're ap- actually up to the the commandment about God being, you know, there will be to you uh, no other God, um, and. That, that whole thing about um, the Israelites understanding that there is no other God, that yes. God is the only God, yes. and that they are to focus solely on Him. Yes, that's exactly right. And so we, we've, we, we, we be got, we're, we're sitting on, on, on these, uh, this commandment for quite a while because there is uh, quite a lot to say, and it's especially when you know, the modern person today, I mean modern men and women, uh, uh, even including you know believers today, have come to the conclusion that maybe these commandments are no longer relevant. Mm. And so, by opening them up and showing, and today I'm probably going to walk on a few toes. Um, uh, so, really, <laughs> I, I am. I am. I, I'm going to actually uh, take a bit. Of, we're still in that second commandment, and I'm going to s- sort of you know open it up a little bit more. And if if what I'm going to say. Um, makes you feel uncomfortable and you're a Christian believer, uh, then you know that I've touched a nerve in some place, okay? And so, because it's it's what the Word of God should do. People don't, the, the, the Word of God is not just meant to just, you know, wash on our backs and make us feel just good. That's right, it's not benign. It, it is, yeah, you know, <laughs> Scripture is inspired for, you know, for uh, your building up, but also for correction, uh, for instruction, and so on and so forth. Mm. So, you know, we can't just simply have the Word of God just going on one angle. I can, let me just scratch my back as I like. So, few things might sort of, you know, make you feel a little bit, ooh, today, uh, as we look at this commandment. But, you know what, thank God and... And you know, if 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 the reading of the text is I've read it doesn't <laughs> doesn't sound that's a bit of my my I've got my Hebrew reading of the uh, Ten Commandments. Yeah, so in audio, there was a little a little bit of Hebrew. That's audio exactly there. when I, when yes. I'm doing my studies, I've got yeah. all my Hebrews, you know, because I want to always make sure we look at the original text. So text. So you you did say it right. Um, that the second commandment. Uh, the second commandment, uh, which is re- is translated, let's start, you know, uh, in King James, for example, and the other translation, uh, and we, we're looking at Exodus chapter 20 here, so which goes, you know, <coughs> you thou can. shall not have another God uh, mm-hmm. before me. <coughs> now, so, you know, that reading there is not necessarily... Uh, correct, because when you read the first part of the commandment, and as I'm um, coming back to it, which goes lo lecha elohim uh, the best way for it to be rendered 
is they shall not be to you the God of orders. So we made, we made that point. So when you say they shall not be to you the God of orders, it flows naturally from I am the Lord your God. First commandment. You see, I am the Lord your God is first commandment. Then they shall not be to you the, the God of orders flows from there. It doesn't mean, oh, you shall not have other gods before me. And so, you mean, well, what's the difference? It means that it sounds like a lawyer just saying the same thing just in different ways. No, it is because the first commandment posits that there is only one God. Scripture is very clear about this. Anything else beside him is a false God. Yes. All right? Yeah. Now, l- let, me, let me really stick my finger on that one so that you can really see what, what is on here. It means that every other nation around Israel had believed in false gods. And remember, we read Deuteronomy chapter 32, which indicated that all these false gods was an expression of demons. Yes. Okay? Yeah, that's right. The worship of sun, the moons, and stars, yep. the worship of made-up image. Most of these these other gods were actually a manifestation behind every one of these images. The Bible says that these gods are actually an expression of demons. Mm. Now, who are demons? These are rebellious angels that uh, left heaven out of rebellion with them with with Satan, the sort of the the ancient serpent, if you will, the the seraph, uh, the one who rebelled with a bunch of uh, uh, angels. So why did he leave heaven? Because he, uh, he, uh, you know, he coveted the place of God. Yes. He wanted the worship that is due to God, you yeah. see. And therefore, by coming down, of course, he continued to pursue the worship of man. And this is how he convinced Adam and Eve to go with him instead of trusting God, worship him instead of God. So if you keep in your mind right now, that all the other nations around Israel worshipped false gods. Mm. And every other false god is a, behind every false god, there is a demon behind it. So it is actually a worship of demons. Now, the reason why I want to sort of stick my finger there is because it is very important. This is not a benign point. This is not you know, something that can just be, you know, offhandedly dismissed because it has a spiritual reality. Now, if you don't believe in God and you are an atheist, fine, there's a way to sort of deal with you in that sense. But if you are anyone who believes in any spiritual reality, their idea of plurality of gods is false. So what, therefore, does this commandment lead? It leads to the idea that You know, religious pluralism is false. Right. The God of Israel, the God of the Bible, established that he is a one God, and believing in him and adhering to him was something that a nation should do and stay and stick to the reality of the truth that only him is God. Yeah. The belief that there could be other gods, that we had a pantheon or a multiplicity of God, which lead to multiplicity of religions, mm-hmm. is therefore false, and it is the worship of demons. Yeah. 
Now, if I pause there, you will be, yeah, it's, it's very evident today, especially across the West. This used to be the Christian. This is how basically this commandment is violated across every single Western country. Yes. We are in a multi-religion society, which therefore implies what? Multi-God society. Mm. Now, let me turn, uh, just uh, for the sake of the, uh, you see, I want to pick up a text in, 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 in Second King. Uh, I, could, I could read about see, this sort of syncretism, that's what it's called. The mixture between God, the true God, and all the false God in a society. Mm. Now, it, it's a big thing. If, let's read, read with you uh, First King. So First King, uh, if um, everybody's who's got their Bibles, just open it. And I'm going to uh, make, make the case there. If you read First King chapter 17, and I'm going to read for verse, from verse 7. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Maybe, maybe it's a big chunk of text, but let's read it. It's because it gives everybody the sense. You're not used to reading the, the Bible. Then you're going to get the chance to read. I'm reading NIV. In the 12th year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hosea, son of Eli, became king of Israel in Samaria. Now, this is when, when the two kingdoms had been split between the kingdom of Judah, which stayed, uh, you know, um, f- uh, faithful to the house of David, and the, king of I- the kingdom of Israel, which went with Jeroboam, one of Solomon's, uh, you know, Solomon's uh, servant. So his name was Jeroboam, and Solomon's son was Roboam. So, so the kingdom was split between the 12 tribes. 10 went with one, with the servant, and two, Judah and Benjamin, stayed in Jerusalem with uh, Roboam. So let's just give you a background there. Mm-hmm. So this is why Ahaz was the king of Judah, okay? And Oshea, son of Elah, became king of Israel in Samaria. And he reigned nine years. He did evil in the eye of the Lord, but not like the kings of Israel who preceded him. So he did real evil, like far terrible evil. So Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, came up to attack Hosea, who had been Shalmaneser's vessel. It accepted to be under, under the tutelage of the Assyrian king and had paid him tribute. But the king of Assyria discovered that Hosea was a traitor. So he had sent envoys to uh, so king of Egypt, and he no longer paid tribe to the king of Assyria, as he had done year by year. Therefore, Shalmaneser seized him and put him in prison. So he did that with the king of Egypt. The king of Assyria invaded the entire land, marched against Samaria, laid siege uh, to it for three years. In ninth year of Hosea, the king of uh, of uh, um, the king of Assyria captured Samaria and deported the Israelites to Assyria. He settled them in Halah, in Gozan, and on um, on the Harbor River in the towns of the Medes. Verse seven. All this took place because the Israelites had sinned against the Lord their God who had brought them up out of Egypt from under the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, they worshipped other gods. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why they went into captivity. Worship other gods and follow the practices of the nations the Lord had driven out before them, as well as the practices of the king uh, of Israel had introduced. 
The Israelites secretly did things against the Lord, their God, that were not right. From Watchtower to Fortified City, they built themselves high places in all their towns. They set up sacred stones, Asherah, poles, on every high hill, under every spreading tree, at every high place. They burnt incense as the nation, nations whom the Lord had driven out before them had done. They did wicked things that aroused the Lord's anger. They worshipped idols. Mm. Though the Lord had said, you shall not do this. Yeah. All right. You shall not do this. They did it. The Lord warned Israel and Judah through all the prophets and the seers. Turn from your evil ways. Observe my command and decrees in according with the entire law that I commanded your ancestors to obey. And that I delivered you through my servant, the prophets. But they would not listen and were all stiff-necked as their ancestors who did not trust the Lord their God. They rejected his decrees and the covenant he had made with their ancestors and the statutes he had warned to them to keep. They followed worthless idols and, and themselves became worthless. They imitated the nations around them, although the Lord had ordered them, do not do as they do. Mm. Verse 16. They forsook all the commandments of the Lord their God and made for themselves two idols cast in the shape of a calf and an and Asherah pole. They bowed down to all the starry hosts, you know, yep. um, and they worshipped Baal. They sacrificed their sons and daughters in the fire. They practiced divination, sought omens, sold themselves to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, arousing his anger. Verse 18. So the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his presence. Only the tribe of Judah was left. And even Judah did not keep the command of the Lord their God. They followed the practices Israel had introduced. Therefore, the Lord rejected all the people of Israel. He afflicted them and gave them into the hands of the plunderer until he thrust them from his presence. Mm. Now, uh, it is, it's a good... So, when you read verse 21, When he tore Israel away from the house of David, they made Jeroboam son of Nebat the king. Jeroboam enticed Israel away from following the Lord and caused them to commit the great sin. Idolatry. Great sin. The Israelites perished, uh, persisted in all the sins Jeroboam uh, 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 taught them, did not turn away from them, until the Lord removed them from his presence, as he had warned them all uh, through all his servants. So you can see the idea. Let's get to verse yep. 24. Yeah, in verse 24. So I think because of the the text, so we, we, we can back, get back into this text. I want to open it up. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Well, it'll be good for uh, people to ruminate on that for a moment. Yes. And maybe... Um, while we play this song, they can maybe read parts of that again and then uh, you can unfold it as we go. Here's Hillsong Young and Free with Indescribable. You're indescribable in every way We search we are now caught up in your grace Closer, the current changed. You show me life. 
You're on 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we have been reading uh, in Kings, yes, 1 Second Kings, Kings, Second Kings, chapter um, 17. Chapter 17. Yep. Uh, you've been reading uh, really the, what happened to Israel yes. when they disobeyed that second commandment yes. and they, they took on other gods yes. and, and really turned their back on God and, yes. and the penalty of that and what they went through. And you've got, uh, you're leading to the crux of what you're wanting to sort of expand in yeah. that with the next part of the passage. That's exactly right. So the text is worth reading because the reading of this text then gives you the weight of what the Word of God here is saying. So let's go to verse 24 and I'm going to continue the reading and just let's be used to the reading of the text. It's just to do yep. justice and honor to the text. So, mm-hmm. after all this, so here's what it goes on. The king of Assyria brought people, after he taken the people of Israel into captivity, he brought the people from Babylon, Kuta, Ava, uh, Am- uh, Am- Amath, and Seraphim, and settled them in the towns of Samaria to replace the Israelites, breed them out, mm-hmm. right? These people were known for their commitment to one God. Well, but let's breed them out. You know, let's just uh, brought people who were strangers. They took over Samaria and lived in its towns. When they first lived there, they did not worship the Lord. So he sent lions among them and they killed some of the people. It was reported to the king of Assyria. The people you deported and settled in the towns of Samaria do not know what the God of that country requires. He has sent lion among them, which are killing them off. 
because the people do not know what he requires. So the Assyrian king gave this order. Have one of the priests you took in captivity from Samaria go back to live there and to teach the people what the God of that land require. So one of the priests who had been exiled from Samaria came to live in Bethel, mm. the house of God, yep. and taught them how to worship the Lord. Right? He taught them how to worship the Lord. But look at verse 29. Nevertheless, each national group made its own God in the several towns where they settled and set them up in the shrines the people of Samaria had made at the high places. The people of Babylon made Sukkoth, Benoth, those from uh, Kutah made Nergal, and those from Amath made Ashima, and the Avites made Nibaz, and Tartak, and the uh, Sephravite burned their children in the fire as a sacrifice to Adramelech and Anamelech. These are variations of Molech. Yeah. The god of the Saf, uh, Safarvam. Uh, they worshipped the Lord, but they also appointed all sorts of their own people to officiate for them as priests in the shrine of their gods. They did syncretism. The mixture. Yes. Right? They did syncretism. They worshipped the Lord, but... They also served their own God in accordance with the customs of the nations from which they had been brought. You have here a case of syncretism. To this day, they persist in their former practices. Verse 34, I was reading, they neither worship the Lord nor adhere to the decrees and the regulation, the laws and the commands that he gave to the descendants of Jacob, whom he named Israel. These people had been brought in and they had accepted, at least they had brought their other gods. The reason why the ch God instructed the children of Israel to not mix bread, mm. you know, Solomon went uh, and, and brought women from all over the place, and that led into worship of idols. Yeah. Every time they bred with other tribes, they ended up with syncretism. You see? So when he says to them when they come out of Egypt, do not take the demons, it's basically my arch enemies, if mm. you will, the people who cause chaos in heaven, those angels that cause chaos in heaven, they got kicked out, that I have set a day of judgment for these angels. Now, all the other nations have, have taken upon themselves to worship these. You should not take their worship of these demons to become your worship because there is a danger attached to it. Mm. And God, I mean, when God took the children of Israel through the land after they were in Egypt and they fought against all of those tribes, that was God's punishment for all of those um, people groups yep. for the idolatry that was yep. part of, of what they had. And, and so Israel was supposed to come, wipe it clean and establish God. God's kingdom, the one God, yeah. but they didn't. They, That's exactly right. <laughs> they actually merged some of that stuff with them because yeah. they, they did take other wives wives and husbands and things from those nations yeah. and uh, polluted what God was doing. And the idea of religious pluralism is exactly that. Mm. The idea that, yeah, you know, all religions are pretty much the same. Well, no, they are not. Mm. They are not because... The concept is, you've heard this debate even among some Christian theologians, which is very sad. You know, 
the concept of God is, for example, defined within Scripture. When the book of Genesis starts, he doesn't even, you know, you know, it, it posits that in the beginning, God. Yeah. But when you read, you know, most, uh, you know, scholar of Old Testament or look at the book of Genesis, they reasonably conclude that the book of Genesis was a polemic. It was a polemic that makes the difference between the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, that God is different from all the other gods of all the other nations. All the other nations worshipped stars and they worshipped moons and suns. All the things that God had created. Exactly. But deliberately, the book of Genesis says that God created the sun and the moon and the stars to say he is the God. Yeah. Now, come very quick, moving into the, you know, you know, after after the death of Christ, A.D., you come to St. Anselm of Canterbury. St. Anselm had this great revelation, which is the best definition you can have about God, which is that God is the greatest conceivable being. Mm. Remember our, you know, yes. analysis on the existence of God? Yeah. And if you can conceive anything greater than him, then that will be God. Mm. So, God is the greatest conceivable being, is the necessary being. He exists by the necessity of his own nature. So, that is the classic God of the Bible. Yes. The creator of everything. Mm. There is no other God beside him. Even the idea that you could have a religion that worships some other God than him, and that the religion be considered on par with the Christian message, it's just, it tells you how far and uh, we, we've gone. Mm, yeah, All right? Yeah. So these societies that were, that had accepted that there is only one God and the God of the Bible revealed himself in Christ. And so he's not only the God who revealed himself in Jesus Christ, the second person, the Trinity, and then revealed uh, as the Holy Spirit. So through the revelation of Christ, we know that God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons in one being. So three persons in one being. One nature, three persons. And I've done a lot on the Trinity here if somebody wants to know about it. Mm. So any other religious idea that posits that God is only just one, like Islam, for example, and that is opposed to the idea of the Trinitarian nature of God. Well, okay, assuming all religions are the same, no, false. One, either one is true and the other one is false. Either, you know, God is three persons in one God or God is one person, one God. And if it's three persons, one God, then one of these religions is mistaken. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Either salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, by the sacrifice of Christ, or it is by works. Mm. It can't be both. No. All right? Or either when somebody dies, they go to heaven or hell, or they come back and reincarnate uh, you know, any religion like Hinduism. For example, that posits such an idea of reincarnation must either be right or wrong. Mm. Okay? So it's called the law of non-contradiction. But look at us. We have accepted in our culture today syncretism. The idea even had been posited that no, all these religions just worship the same God. Well, they don't. My hero, Ravi Zacharias, used to say the religions might look similar on smaller matters, but they disagree fundamentally on the fundamentals. Yeah. Now, the idea of freedom of religion, I'm going to walk on somebody's toes today, I said. Um, the idea of freedom of religion that was developed in the West 
was not freedom to accept any other religion. Mm. Because it was predicated on the freedom to worship a true religion. Now, it was okay to have people from other places to come with a false religion. The Jews never stopped anybody from coming in, but they made sure that these people were proselytized so they would abandon their false ideas and come to the idea that the God of the Jews, Jew, of the Jews or the Jewish God was true, right? Mm, yeah. And so then they'll bow before him. But what is happening in our culture, uh, this, is, this is idolatry in our culture. Yeah. What is happening in our culture is that we have actually abandoned the idea that the God of the Bible is the only true God. So that, no, well, let's live in peace. You believe yours. I believe religious relativism. Mm. And then religious pluralism. Okay? And now we've gone even far as to start celebrating. Yes, I know. The festivities mm -hmm. yep. of these religions. Yeah. All right. Yep. So you, you look on, 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 on that's for example, the Australian, um, you know, uh, government website. It goes you know, all of religious festivals in Australia. Yeah. You can see every single one of them. And with a religious festivity comes the things that you do when you are worshipping God. And I'm going to talk about that stuff uh, in a moment, the way the scripture really highlight them. Yes. Um, and that, and that's going to be the uh, the big one, isn't it? Um, yep. What the penalty for all of that is, and what that really means as we go forward. Well, we're going to have a listen to uh, Paulini and Darlene Check with the beautiful hymn "Amazing Grace." Lost 
that was lovely. You're on 105.1 Life FM, uh, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and if you were in the studio, you would see Samuel's fired up. <laughs> he was having a go <laughs> telling the online audience what's coming next. So what's coming next, Samuel? Let's keep going. Now, um, so here we are. We were making that point that this syncretism that is coming, the idea of religious pluralism, the idea that if we're going to be respectful of people, we must therefore, you know, accept that the false god, you, I mean, it's even now even forbidden to say false god. Mm. Like I was, I was preparing this particular talk on the radio, and, you know, I'm a Bible preacher, and, uh, and you know, uh, the beauty of the Christian message is how confident the Christian message is in about being true. You know, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus used to say. So the Christian message went into places where other gods were, like Thomas went all the way to India, for example. You know, Matthew went all the way to Ethiopia. You know, you had, you know, Lazarus went all the way into Turkey. You know, I can give you a number of, you know, the apostles that went preaching the gospel saying to, you know, religious pluralistic cultures that we are bringing to you the one God. Yeah. Remember Apostle Paul when he stood on the Areopagus mm. and he said, well, so there's an unknown God there. He says, well, I'm going to tell you about this one. He's the one who created the heaven and earth. He's the only true God. In him, everybody lives. He created every human being and everything that lives on this planet and he placed them where he decided. And so he was presenting the case of a God that was not like all the other false gods. Yeah. So any celebration festival, religious festivals. Religious festivals are, by nature, a celebration of the deity of that religion. Yes. So and follow my logic. And the worship of that. And worship. that celebration mm -hmm. is the reverence, the worship of that deity. Yep. And so what we have had here in the West, I was going to say, you look at, on, the, on the Australian uh, you know, government website, you look at all the religious festivities that our prime minister has to pay respect to. He has to wish, you know, and sometimes go where the festivities are done and do the practices it in the festival, uh, you know, do what people of that particular religious tendencies do. Well, we, we actually do that around the smoking ceremony too, don't we? Um, at everything, there's a smoking ceremony and there's the, there's the stuff that's happening with um, our Indigenous culture. That's exactly right. And, uh, and a lot of that has got, well... It's no, most, no, because it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a religious thing. Yeah, well, that's it right. Is, but it it's not a, Christianity that's no, it been is done. Not. It, it's the... the it's like well, you, you the serpent got the um, you know the serpent and the the other things and part of the dream time and the, the things that have come down in their culture. Yeah, you you come to Africa. I'm from Africa. Yeah, you find that we've got all sorts of uh, you know animistic religions over there. Yeah, and so I mean, if if I, I say to you, okay, well you you're an African, I'm going to take you to one of our animistic temple, and you're a Christian, but you know you got to do the things that we do. You got to eat on the altar, the food. Apostle Paul actually forbade the Christians from eating food sacrificed to idol. Okay, yes. uh, you eat our food in our ceremony there, and you know, for example, um, as I said today, it's one of those days. Uh, just the scripture must be taken seriously. Yes, God took it seriously to say, "Do not worship any other god." So once you establish that the God of the Christian message is not the God of Islam, not the God of Hinduism, not the God of of Sikhism, not the God of the animism 
animistic religions of Africa. He's not the god of the you know uh, you know uh, um, dream time uh, you know indigenous uh, Australian. He is the biblical god. He's not a Western god either. Let's take that. Yes, exactly. So nobody's going to say, well, no, this maybe could be some racist. No, I'm, I'm saying, look, Jesus was a Middle Eastern Jew and he was not a Caucasian European. Yes. Let's settle that in a moment. So it's not a matter between races. It is a matter of who is the God who made the heavens and the earth. But it's about, it's about humanity. God created humans. That's we right. all bleed the same. We are all created the same. Whether That's we've exact. got different skin color, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. God sees us all as one. We are the one of d- that has divided ourselves. That's exactly right. Into g- people groups. Now and think about else. it. I have watched this in horror, where you know a Christian leader has gone out of sympathy with the Islamic community and is gone and is gotten into, you know, an Islamic uh, mosque, and then they have said the Shahada, mm-hmm. which is actually the declaration. That's how you convert. How you convert to Islam is say the Shahada. That's how you convert. And then when you go to uh, prayer, when they say Allah Akbar, it means God is the great. The God of Islam is the greatest. And everybody goes on their knees and they face down. Guess what that is? Worship. That is worship. Mm. See, for example, if I was inside a Christian church and the music was playing and I raised my hands and I had my eyes shut, what do you think I'm doing? Worshipping. I'm worshipping. If I was on my knees and I had my hands raised, what do you think I'm doing? Worshipping. I'm worshipping. Mm. Would it matter if I got out and stood on the street and raised my hands and shut my eyes all the same, I'm still doing what? Worshiping. I'm still doing worshipping. So... It was interesting. I was having a conversation with a, a friend who was a Hindu gentleman, and he said to me that he believed in all gods, you know, including Jesus. So I'm like, okay, well, if you believe in Jesus as God, Jesus said that, you know, no one goes to the Father but through him, and salvation is by faith through Jesus. So would you be ha- would you be happy to do the, the, the sinner's prayer with me? Guess what he said? <laughs> he said no, probably. He said, well, no, that's for Christians to do. Yeah, uh-huh. And yet we have here church leaders who think it's just just inconsequential to go into a, a Hindu temple or to go into a Muslim uh, mosque and just they, they call to Allah Akbar and they just bow their head. Mm. They have done a syncretism right here. Yeah. Right. There. That one is the I was, I was wanted to start with the most obvious cases. Mm. Then I'm going to go a bit deeper. Yeah. Here's the next deeper part is that many things that have come within the West from all the different religious background have now been commercialized in the West. We think to ourselves in the West that we have this capacity to strip religious meanings to things and gestures that have got religious meanings and significance, and so we can give them our own meanings and then we can just simply enjoy them. Want to give me one of them? Yep. Yoga is one of them. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yoga is a religious worship of Hindu God. Mm. Most of the postures of yoga are worship postures. Mm. You get different type of yoga. And I can give you one of them. Janana yoga is actually the way of salvation. Right? I'll tell you an interesting story. When my son Matthew was only three, we put him into the day uh, daycare. And my, my son was having his, you know, day sleep. He got woken up by the staff at the daycare because they were going to do yoga. So they put the child through that entire... And they thought it was benign, right? Mm-hmm. 
Well, I understand. The ignorance is quite, you know, interesting. So my son came home. I know when we went to pick him up, the staff members were actually happy to inform me, oh, Matthew was asleep and we woke him up so he could go and do some yoga. I'm like, what? So I said to them, okay, can I have a bit of a chat with you? And so we came back and I, well, religious, uh, comparative religion is my area of study. Yeah. So I showed them the origin of yoga, the teaching of Hinduism. I had brought in the entire, you know, the, the Bhagavad Vida's book. I'd brought all of that. And so I, and so you can see the, sort of the, the lady starting to get a bit uncomfortable. She's like, no, but that's not what we're doing. We were just simply doing the postures. I'm like, right, okay. Now, since I brought my son here, you have said that my son seems to be very articulate with the language. Do you want me to tell you the secret? I get my children to read their Bible and memorize verses, and they've memorized the Lord's Prayer. And I found that the memorization of the Lord's Prayer and the complexity of the words that they have to go through is actually improved their capacity to speak so clearly, even at a younger age. I mean, you've met my, you, you see my little Shafara, she's... Yep. She, th- she says even words that even grown-ups have to think twice. Yeah, know. I know. You can look at her and say, how old are you? <laughs> but here's my secret. Yeah. If you ask her, she will recite the Lord pray- Lord's Prayer from the beginning to the end. Yeah. So I said to the lady, how about I suggest one thing? You have appreciated the fact that all the other kids don't have Matthew's level of, you know, uh, you know speech. And he's so articulate. And here's my secret, the Lord's Prayer. So since yoga improves the physical, uh, physical, you know, postures and stuff, and it's benign, I would like to suggest as part of this community that the children at least have, for the sake of improving their speech, have to say the Lord's Prayer at least three times a week within the class when they come in the morning and they all say the Lord's Prayer. Guess what she said? <laughs> I bet you she said no. Of, of course, it she was adamant, but no. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you see my point? And by then, I'm like, you do not strip religious acts with their deeper meaning just because you in the West decide so. Yeah, it doesn't make it. And especially benign. if, yeah. yeah. And so you've got, I, I, I could go on. <laughs> and so there's, you, you know something else? Chiropractor. Right. Chiro. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll challenge anyone uh, who, who would like, you, can, you want to sort of look look at the, uh, the, uh, the probably there's going to be a lot of Christians <laughs> who are going to go, Samuel, what? <laughs> you don't have to go far if you go and, and just simply Google the history of um, Cairo. Yep, practice. So I'm actually doing it so you can't say that, you know. Uh, <laughs> that you're making it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, chiropractic therapy so if you go in the history you you go in there and you'll find and it's actually wikipedia wikipedia is going to tell you yeah um the the history uh of daniel palmer the the man from iowa you know did his first chiropractic adjustment and he it will tell you that he incorporated he incorporated uh here it is the experience led Palmer to open the School of Chiropractic. Two years later, Reverend Samuel Weed coined the word chiropractic from Greek roots. Chiropractic early philosophy was rooted in vitalism, naturalism, magnetism, and guess what? Spiritualism. Mm. All right? Spiritualism. With, which spiritualism is this? It is Eastern spiritualism. Yeah. And so... 
there are the things that you know, now we have, you know, the yoga mats. We have, you've actually I found out that there was something called Christian yoga. Right. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of churches have opened their places up for yoga to be a, a class that you do during the week. Yeah, and so in Bendigo, there's quite a. Well, how about just simply, you know, other form of your know, exercise, because yoga is spiritual. Tai Chi, spirituality. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what I'm saying here is that this syncretism is an an, an aberration. It's an abomination unto God. And so, if you you can let that sink in for yeah. a moment, yeah. if you're a Christian and you've been engaging in these practices, I am saying to you that we cannot determine what the what the framework of what it means to worship only God. Mm. God determines that. Yeah. So the first commandment here has been through and through violated. Let me give you some some of the the, the, the few details. Four, just four. Yo, you know, to worship, idolatrous worship is, is, is involved this. Prostate, prostrating yourself before an idol. Now, that prostration can be physical or of the heart. Yep. Okay? Uh, offering sacrifice to the idol. Eating before that idol. Drinking before that idol. Okay? <laughs> and and these, these four are the four major fundamentals. So whenever you do what is required in that religion, in postures, postures or in belief, in thinking, in offerings, you know, and so on and so forth, you have therefore, in fact, wherever you go into, you know, the practice of the chakras, you know. Yes, oh, and that's big at the moment. The whole chakra thing, yeah. it's in everything. <laughs> Christians have just embraced it. Pe- people are getting, you know, they're, smoke, they're, they're lighting the sticks and they're going and around rooms and doing all this sort of stuff. And the, all the paganism has come yeah. back in. Yeah, it is. You know the, the, those uh, little dream uh, sort of circling. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Dream catchers. The, the, yeah, dream catchers. Dream catchers. The practice of necromancy, like consulting the dead, mm. uh, you know, palm reading. Mediums. Um, yes, the mediums. All these things are part of the practices of these false religions. Mm. And it's all and part anybody of the who does it is breaking the second commandment. That's right, exactly. All right, well, we will, uh, we will do a little bit of a run to the finish for today after this song from our local father, Rob Galea, with Something About You. about you that comes my weary soul there's something about you chills me from the cold there's something about you that changes everything there's something about you Makes me wanna say something about you. There's something about you that brings me to my knees. There's something about you that makes my life complete. There's something. About you, the rolls 
had a bit of an interesting discussion off air <laughs> and so I'm going to pose the question on, on it, it because, um, you know, most people uh, in their own physical welfare um, have things done like they'll go to an osteo or a physio or a, um, a massage therapist or a chiropractor because they're in pain and there is something physical happening to their body. Nerves have been pinched, things have been stretched, things are out of joint. And so these people are with the the gift of them knowing what's happening in the human body, they're able to realign you and readjust you and, and make you pain free. And so, I mean, you've you've sort of opened up something. And my question really probably was: has has the enemy hijacked this stuff that God has given us as part of being able to uh, bring healing to our bodies? You know, because the doctors use a scalpel and surgery and things like that, and there are doctors can heal things, or God can miraculously heal things. Has it been hijacked by the enemy and? It's now got this religious connotation and it's called chiropractic or whatever um, it, it's being called. And so uh, in, in a sense that then <laughs> gives it a, a completely different angle um, because there are many things in this world that have been hijacked, like the rainbow, for instance. Um, we've got the rainbow that signifies God's promises to, to the earth, um, yet it's been hijacked by um uh, you know, people that are, uh, are looking at trying to interpret it in a different way about inclusion and and uh, acceptability and things like that, and um, and we're <laughs> we're not allowed to talk about these things anymore. Where the true meaning has been lost, it's been hijacked, and then we are now left with whatever's left because we're a little bit ignorant of how this all really works. That's my question. Very good question. Because <laughs> I think as I open that up, I think there are people who are listening to us on the radio like. Hi, Gonzalo. What are you saying? You know, <laughs> exactly. I, I do go to these places. It makes me feel good, and I I have pain, and they get I get the adjustment, and it goes all well. Okay, what I'm I think the the the, the sound proposition is I, I'm I'm factual here. I'm just factual. I, I pulled out the history of chiropractic, which you can read, mm-hmm. and I've just read to you, which says that Palmer tried to merge science and metaphysics. Metaphysics is the realm of spiritual. Right? And which spirituality was it? It's Eastern spirituality. Yeah. That's, that's a fact. That is a fact. So uh, that's what, what Palmer did in, in pushing for uh, chiropractic in the West. Now, 
Your question is, well, people do go there and feel good. Let's say I'm going to take that as a separate thing. And then you're going to ask whether the enemy hijacked or not. So those are, I'm separating the two. You will notice that the worship of false gods, this false god always promised something. You know, with the Greeks and the Romans, you had the god of fertility, the god of eroticism, or the god of rain, and the god of, you know, harvest. They were, and there was this the god that seemed to have brought to these people some, some goodness, right? Some goodness. But what is interesting about the promises of the enemy, if you will, because I'm saying to you that from a Christian metaphysic point of view, behind every one of these false gods, there is a demon, right? Consider that. Right. So the good physicality that we get in this instant, what kind of other stuff spiritually do they do? Just I'm talking about the spiritual forces that does whatever else that is behind what I'm feeling good about. The person who does the yoga postures and open the chakras and all that kind of stuff. All right. So you end up with uh, open another extra angle of having people who are actually demonized or diamondized, uh, but without even knowing that that's the case. So. The good that I get in that moment instant doesn't really justify the worship of another God. It doesn't matter that it's another God that is actually giving me this good. It is if I go to the animistic religions of Africa and I got some benefit for a short lifetime, even if I felt good for the rest of my physical life, but that was an offense to the holy God, then I have lost my life eternally. So, See, but what I don't understand... I'm going to go to the next yeah, step. <laughs> right. Just give me mm-hmm. the next step. The next step is you're thinking, but are these practices, were they biblical practices that got hijacked by other religions? No, not really. Well, I'm not even thinking that they're biblical. Yeah. I'm just sort of like thousands of years ago, I'm sure that people understood the body and, and were able to um, help one another when, when they oh, were you, in pain. Okay, yes. You know what I mean? You're so talking about just because somebody, yeah, so some, just because somebody um, worships a God and prays for rain and it rains doesn't negate the rain. The rain still comes from God. I get that. The, the fact that somebody they've has worshipped another, they've worshipped another God. False God too. Yes, but yeah. it doesn't mean that the rain I get that. It's false. So that's why I'm saying if, if if somehow it's been hijacked, this this sort of therapy or this sort of way of healing one another, this natural way of healing one Fair another enough. by uh, by by a, a philosophy that yep. then incorporates those sorts of things into their practice. Yep. How does Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, just, but he's yeah. Uh, yeah, you you made a good point. Yeah. Think about it this way. Does God God is the one who gives wealth and power and everything? Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Wealth and power and everything. God is the final cause of everything. Yeah. When the devil showed up to Jesus and said, You worship me, I give you all the glory and all. Would it have been okay for Jesus to bow and, and say, But, you know, about to him, it's just, it's just hijacked it. But I got all the wealth and God is the one who give it anyway. But bowing there didn't make a difference, did it? So what I'm trying to say is, there are scientific methods that have got no metaphysic attached to it. Osteopathy, for example, is part of Western medicine. Mm. Western medicine has done tremendous progress. You do not need extra metaphysic attached to a particular practice as though I'm going to do yoga. Now, there is, for example, when you try to stretch and so on, so you can do all sorts of other methods of stretching that is not yoga. Mm. What I'm trying to say is so long as there is a metaphysic attached to this, you cannot m- dismiss the metaphysic of it because you're thinking, I'll just get the physical benefit without being worshipping the divine 
the false God that is behind it. So I'm saying that Christians need to be very careful about things. Yeah. You need to look at, okay, wh what I'm doing here, has he got any religion? Why is it that if I demonstrated that to improve speech, somebody need to say the, Lord, the, the, the sinner's prayer? If I prove that, and I did a huge scientific research. Do you think most people, even in the West, would go, okay, well, you know, people say the, Lord, the, the sinner's prayer so you'll improve your speech? They will not. Why? Because they are against the commitment, metaphysical commitment, to the fact that they should be following Jesus. Yes. Okay. Yeah, um, all right. I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Well... <laughs> that has that has opened up a bit of a Pandora's box. I and, said uh, that at the beginning of the yeah, program. that's right, and we'll continue that discussion next week. Um, I hope that you've enjoyed the uh, the discussion today. And if you've got any questions, uh, feel free to flick them onto Samuel Chisakini's <laughs> Facebook page, and also uh, you can go to a Reasonable Christianity's uh, Facebook page and or our website and do the same. We hope that you've been blessed, and uh, and we look forward to uh, catching up with you all again. <laughs> Next week. Praise Jesus.